are listening to the Ladylike Podcast. Ladylike is the show where funny women tell disgusting stories. I'm your host, Jenna Gaffard. Our live story comes from Sage Houston. And um, Sage told us about a time, uh, about a, a, a wild a wild drinking story um, from when she was living in New Orleans. This week, I sat down with Annie Russell. And Annie, um, Annie and I talked about how um, you're... Uh, your emotions and your and uh, how much you shit are kind of connected actually <laughs> in a way and she told me um, a breakup story so here is annie russell so well i guess here's a question i have for you um what like draws you to the gross story angle like what is interesting about that to you i um oh jesus um honestly i think it's just my i think it's just the way i was raised (laughs) because (laughs) my dad is like very much like the like i was just talking to him on the phone and he was telling me this story he like works on he works on boats and he was like so he's like kind of like a crew on this boat for a while and he was telling me how they the guy bought this new composting toilet and you weren't allowed to put toilet paper in it because he was so like anal retentive you didn't want anything but natural whatever and so everyone had to like wipe and then put like their toilet paper in like a ziploc bag (laughs) he was really hamming it up he was lying but (laughs) i was crying laughing at my dad's like little like shit story so probably well if i had to blame someone it would be my father yeah (laughs) (laughs) well that makes sense i feel like for me i like bodily functions were something like this is a reach because I was definitely raised to never talk about anything gross ever especially as a girl and I have three brothers and they were all treated really differently than I was you know it was like a they could do whatever they wanted b like anything gross they did was fine but if I like expressed any like bodily thing like to the point where I even like mentioned a part of my body it was like no no no, no, that's not a thing which kind of leads me into my story so like I didn't know that I had like kind of a weird quirk about me which is that like I just have like a very like my emotions live in my stomach um if that makes sense so like if I'm anxious I like don't eat at all if I'm like really happy I eat a lot like if something really upsetting happens to me I get just violent explosive diarrhea all the time (laughs) and it happens the body keeps the score yeah all (laughs) the time like if anything like jarring or upsetting like I would get a bad grade on a test and I would be like oh my god (laughs) I have to go take a huge shit (laughs) but I was raised in such a repressed like lifestyle that I had no idea oh yeah Um, (laughs) yeah look at me no yes super catholic so but I had no idea that a not everyone had th- has that and be like you could ever like do something about it or talk about it so I was just sort of like managing this day to day and so the way that it kind of manifests for me a lot of the time is that like every time I ever went through a breakup I would just get this like horrible violent diarrhea and when I say violent like there's a volume issue 
there's a power to it. <laughs> like, it's just like there's you have to block off kind of your morning. Like, there's just no. You do have to kind of build your day around diarrhea because you can't just leave the house whenever you want. Exactly. You can't and just go to work. You know? No, you can't just go to work and you know, can't just like, you know, <laughs> like, you can't just do anything. So I had one um, time in particular that was like so upsetting. I was like dating this guy and we actually were engaged and we were together for like years. And it was like, you know, I thought we were totally in love. And one day he sort of just like totally blindsided me with this like breakup like it wasn't even just a hey like I'm not happy we need to work on stuff it was just a like hey just so you know I don't love you anymore and like this is not gonna happen anymore and so I was like totally devastated but this is for anyone who's like listening to this who's like wondering like where you should have a breakup like this. I feel like there's a lot of like conventional wisdom to say like you should do it in public or like whatever. I feel like you always need to break up with someone at their house. If you think that they're going to like take it really badly or if you and if you like them and if it's not like an abusive thing, if it's just like a thing where you respect them and you're going to part ways, you should do it at their home. So like if they're going to get upset, they can like get upset and then you get to things. Yeah. And you get to choose when you leave and you don't like get stuck there forever. (laughs) But what he chose to do was to have me over to his house to break up with me in this like super sudden Wait, way you were together for a long time yeah okay so he liked he like invited me over and he like knew we were gonna have this conversation but I'm in his house and he also like lived with his mom at the time I should probably mention at this point <laughs> another player enters the yeah <laughs> so like he sits me down we have the conversation and first I start sobbing which is like just that's normal for me. Like I'm, I'm kind of a crier, me kind of too. a sensitive gal. Like I'll start sobbing, and there's a lot of snot. I'm an ugly. Like it's just, it's a lot. I'm a very visible crier as well. Yeah, there's no tear I've, I've ever no had. Sneaky, yeah, <laughs> no, there's been no ever like single tear rolling down my cheek oh, ever. Gosh. It's been like I'm hunched over. I'm like just wailing so like that started first and at a certain point he was trying to wrap up the process you know (laughs) he's like so you know like I wish the best for you or like whatever he said (laughs) in conclusion you and I are not together anymore (laughs) um but my stomach had other ideas and so that's when I was like hey like I I really need to use your bathroom and <laughs> through sobs. Through like, sobs. You need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but his mom yeah. was taking a shower. Oh oh my god. One bathroom. Oh no. It's a one they lived on yeah, Manhattan apartment. Mm. It's one bathroom. And so I start to do like what was a very chill and normal thing where I'm just pacing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I can be seated during this <laughs> process. <laughs> there's no way I can be like laying down comfortably. And there's no. It's like before people give birth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, why don't you take a couple laps up and down the hallway and get this going? <laughs> I start 
bedroom facing. And like I I feel really strongly that you should never break up with someone and then make them take the train. I think you should break up with someone when they're in like a comfortable place. But there was no realm in which I was like gonna go find a Starbucks bathroom or like I was gonna go get on the subway after this. Like I needed to use the closest bathroom. And so I am finally after what seems like forever like left in the position of like knocking on the door of this room where the woman who I thought was going to be my mother-in-law is like naked and (laughs) taking a shower (laughs) and asking her if I can like use the bathroom. She's like, oh, sure. Like, I'm going to run out. You just like get in here for a quick second and like I'll finish doing my stuff after. Do you think, did she know like what was going on? Do you think or, or not really? I do think she knew. I think that everyone except shower. for me knew. I think everyone in the world knew this was <laughs> going to happen <laughs> except for me. Um, and so she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just let you like sneak in here real quick. <laughs> and like, this was not a sneak in here real quick situation. I um, I went in there. I did my thing. It was horrible. And I, like, immediately clogged their toilet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, girl after my own heart. I, like, I can clog a toilet. In <laughs> a, a two seconds, their toilet is not <laughs> functional anymore. <laughs> I'm still crying. <laughs> The mom is, like, trying to, like, get back in to, like, get her makeup on or whatever. And my now ex-boyfriend is, like, when the fuck is this girl going to leave my house? Um, And what I did was I just left. I just left. I just ran away. um, And I never, ever talked to him again. You never did? Never, ever. Even to this day? Even to this day. Well, that is kind of this is kind of the karma. It's appropriate. That, yeah, and it, it's not. <laughs> I'm happy with the way that ended. I think <laughs> his mom sent me an email that was kind of nice, like you know, a month later. <laughs> She's like, "We finally we paid a lot of money, but we fixed the <laughs> the pipes are clear. <laughs> if you could reimburse the family, no, if you could, <laughs> you could get back to us with literally whatever you can contribute to what you did, that'd be great." Oh wow. It does, I do kind of get diarrhea when I'm sad sometimes. I think I think it happens to people, but I didn't know that it was weird. And finally, like years later, I like mentioned sense. to a friend, yeah. I was like, hey, so like I like I literally call them the breakup shits because it just happens every single time like anything jarring emotionally happens to me. Um, and my friend was like, yeah, no, that I, yeah. that's not Pardon a thing. <laughs> Like, that's a you thing. I'm like, oh, weird. I kind of thought, I was like, I thought maybe it was from crying really hard and it kind of was like shaking my like body up or something. You know, I, guess I definitely have been like weeping and been like, well, all right, <laughs> time for a sloppy every one. Every time. Yeah, every <laughs> time. Uh, it happens a lot. It's, it's nor- let's normalize it, I guess I would say. So at our live show, um, the audience can submit their own disgusting stories to be read on stage anonymously by the host. And these are some of those stories. Um, okay, this one, short and sweet. When I was breastfeeding, I would shoot milk at people slash into their mouths as I was leaving parties as a little goodbye treat. 
I didn't know you could shoot it like that. I, okay, I just want to know if the people knew that was coming. Yeah, was I think it, it would a be, consensual treat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be better if I, I just love the idea of her just like, like it or not, I'm shooting my. Like when somebody has a squirt gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing good, nothing good comes from. Yeah, like when a you're in gun. your college dorm and there's like the game where you have to like squirt people and then they're out of the game. I want her to play that like with her breast milk. <laughs> with the titty milk. Liquid gold, they call it. I've heard it called that. It is. It's expensive <laughs> on the black market. It well, you know, it is it. People will like it's so good because two of my friends had, or two, my two friends that are sisters had babies like real, right around each other, and one of them had so much breast milk she like didn't know what to do with it. Like her freezer was full of breast milk, and then my other friend was like squeaking by. Mm-hmm. Did they share? I hope so. I would imagine. Well, I don't know. I just didn't know it was transferable. Especially with your sister. You totally could. Right? I feel like like that should be fine, but I don't know. But I think I've I've heard people that, like, have a bunch and they, like, donate it. Yeah, there is, like, a – there's a a co-op situation that you can do. But I didn't know you could just transfer it to, like, rando babies. But, you know, I'm learning. It's – and you can start lactating when you're not even pregnant at all. That I learned from a TV show, and I was like, "That's fucking bullshit." And I looked it up, and was like, "You you just by like stimulating your nipples enough that you can start lactating." I mean, I I'm dealing with enough right now. I don't know that I yeah. need that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I get nervous sometimes when somebody's like sucking our tits. I'm like, "What if like for sex reasons, not like you know anything other?" Well, I can't think of another reason. I guess. So, other, so I guess I didn't have to explain. Listen, I'm fucking a lot, okay, and I. <laughs> And I want people to know I'm, I'm out here. I'm getting wet on the daily. Um, but <laughs> I look, who doesn't like a boob in their mouth, be it a baby or a human adult? It's, it's a one of the little treats we have on this earth. Um, but sometimes I get nervous that I'll like accidentally start lactating, but I think you have to do it more than that. Yeah. I think that might be an unfounded fear. I don't think okay. it's just yeah. going to happen in the throes of passion. Um, well, I need something wrong. to be anxious about. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll make one up if I have to. Maybe I suggest opening Twitter. Like, <laughs> yeah. just... No, I like to make up my own. <laughs> um, okay. I... I briefly dated a man who lived slash worked on a marijuana farm in Northern California. He didn't shower very often because there weren't shower facilities on his farm. So anytime I saw him, he was covered in a thin layer of dirt like pig pen from the peanuts. We'd be cuddling and I'd run my fingers through his hair and have dirt covered fingers. We'd literally fuck and sleep in a tent in the woods. Not my proudest fling, but damn, he was fine. I see no issue with this whatsoever. Yeah, I think this sounds actually incredibly hot, and I think this woman is just bragging. Although you do have to wonder about the BO. But a layer of dirt in a tent is Mm -hmm. so much different than a layer of dirt in an apartment. Yeah. Like, if it's... Yeah, this this just seems like kind of an outdoorsy man. I've known a few, but they do smell weird. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, This one is... This one's wild. Okay. 
On the night of my senior prom, I went to Benihana, the Japanese uh, the Japanese restaurant where they throw food at you and make onions into a little steam train. <laughs> Unfortunately, I took six edible cookies when I was supposed to take a third of one. My da- That makes me anxious just reading that. Um, my date brought the cookies, but neither of us had ever taken edibles before, so it was a disaster. I was violently high watching the chef cook shrimp at our table. At the end of the dinner, I stood up and power puked all over the hot grill. The vomit literally cooked in front of us. I'll never forget that smell, and I did not make it to prom. <laughs> it's such a mental image, the, the I, vomit cooking. I imagine it like scrambled eggs. No, I imagine it completely like scrambled eggs or almost like a, like, you know how when pancakes hit the griddle and then they just kind of like congeal? Yeah. Like you I could kind flip of, that for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think she could totally have flipped that. I will say that that is one of the most bizarre descriptions of Benihana that I've ever <laughs> heard in my life. And I feel like she was high. She clearly was only there high because like they make the shrimp into a little thing. It's such a specific uh, reference to one of those like hibachi places. Um yeah, no, that sounds horrible, and I want to know if she and her date had any interaction after that, you I know? know? I bet they did. It's a pretty low bar when you're in high school. You keep hanging out, I think. I, <laughs> you do kind of. <laughs> you can puke on the grill, and it's okay. <laughs> I I would go as far to say, like, if you're into somebody, like, you can do a lot. Yeah. Like before they'll actually bounce. I think that puking on a grill, if you're really into somebody, is is probably a thing that most people would put up with. It's kind of quirky, honestly. Adorkable. (laughs) (laughs) It's she should write a pilot based on this. I mean yeah. If you're listening. Yeah. (laughs) There's it's got legs. We're ready for your memoir. Our live story comes from Sage Houston. Sage is a Chicago comic, and this was recorded in February of 2022. Here's Sage Houston. We sold our words for property, but we Which is 
Uh, when that didn't work, I would uh, scavenge for food. So like uh, half-eaten bags of fried chicken uh, or Sammy's leftover on room service trays. I would take all of that. This is important. I'm not a hero. <laughs> the restaurant I worked for did family meal. So two days a week, I did get that. And I went out on a limb one time and was like, hey, could I have family meal on days I don't work? <laughs> and they were like, no. <laughs> Which is normal and fine. <laughs> but also a dismissal of like the biggest cry for help. <laughs> and this place is like a fancy restaurant, which despite what everybody thinks, there's no money in fancy restaurants. Like, you get into cocktails for the love of the game. <laughs> the little money I was making, I was spending on therapy. And I would bike about 25 minutes each way on a Huffy Beach Cruiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to go to the one therapist who knew about uh, trans topics. Uh, and do me a favor and think about everything you know about New Orleans for like three seconds. Did adequate bike transportation come up? <laughs> There's reason for that. Uh, and so I would like frogger across pothole filled streets, dodging Mardi Gras floats and streetcar named Desire. <laughs> and my reward for that was crying to a stranger for an hour. <laughs> so I had learned the word transgender a year earlier, and I found out that I wasn't alone, which is really cool. Uh, but identity crises are tough, and New Orleans is both the best and worst place to figure that out. <laughs> like, there are musicians everywhere, and one time I was walking down the street, and this musician guy was like, hey, do you have a sister? Because you're pretty cute, and I bet she would be even cuter. <laughs> Which is the oddest pickup line. Because <laughs> it's like, are you asking me out? Her out? Us out? <laughs> It's like translating the sandwich theory of criticism to flirtation. Start with a compliment, get to the point, end with gender dysphoria. <laughs> so the thing was, at the time, it's like I thought I was going to lose everyone and everything I loved because, like, I grew up with the backwards, backwoods brain of South, like small town Indiana. Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> And after that, I moved to like maybe the only place on earth that's more averse to queer people, Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> Everyone thinks that Boston is super liberal, and it is not. No place that likes the Founding Fathers that much is... <laughs> Just a third condiment. 
And, and I remember one time I was with her in Indiana, and I just decided to risk it and have a conversation with her. Uh, and I was like, hey, I'm thinking of making some changes, and uh, I think I might kill myself. Uh, and she didn't handle it well, uh, which is understandable. <laughs> but I'll never, I'll never forget this. We were going grocery shopping at the time, and she took the grocery list and she tossed it into the back seat. Saying like, well, we're not gonna need this anymore, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> but then, then she took off her sunglasses too, and she tossed those in the back seat. Guess I'm not gonna need these anymore. <laughs> and I was like, girl, yes you will. <laughs> You're still driving during the daytime. <laughs> the light of your life may soon die, but the sun's still out there. <laughs> New Orleans. There are things you shouldn't do in New Orleans, such as nothing. Do everything. It's all there, and if you're lucky enough to go before it gets dragged back to the swamp that it inevitably was birthed from, <laughs> go. You should gamble, dance, drink a Sazerac, do it all. Except maybe one thing, maybe, just one thing. Don't do what I did, and wait five minutes before a show is about to start to turn to your Nola Ray's friend and ask, oh, by the way, how was Katrina? <laughs> I'm not a hero. And it's funny for me because I can't imagine anything worse than a lull in conversation, and sometimes that has consequences. <laughs> All right, do me another favor and take three seconds to think of everything you know about New Orleans. Does partying come up? Yeah. Hell yeah, Nola loves a party. And I, it was something, it took a lot of getting used to because I waited a long time to drink. Like I had my first beer when I was 20 in Canada. So I only ever drank legally. So I guess I am a hero. Not true, no. I, everybody should drink as early as they want to, make a bunch of mistakes, that's called living. Uh, but I didn't drink early because I think every teenager rebels against their parents in some way. And I think that's where you get a lot of experimental drug use. It's like, I'll show you, Dad. I don't need your rules. But when your parents drink like teenagers, stability becomes your rebellion. I'll show you, Dad. I want to work a city job as a bank teller. Raise conservative nuclear family. A nuclear family is one room, two parents, any number of kids but most typically two, one boy, one girl. And it's funny that when I transitioned, our family became nuclear, but they went ballistic. <laughs> so my dad's family are mostly all alcoholics, but they're alcoholics alcoholics, like the kind of high functioners that other drinkers see and are just like, wow, they really honor their craft. <laughs> and one time my dad got crossfaded with the two worst kids in my middle school. And I found out at school, when the two Austins, they were both named Austin, came up to me like, your dad is so cool. And I was so embarrassed. But you have to be a little impressed because you know you're a top-notch fuck-up of a father when you're a bad influence on somebody else's kid. Right, another backstory, it's New Year's Eve in New Orleans. I'm sad as hell, I'm poor as I've ever been, and I want to drink. What is a girl to do? Well. You could accept the free midnight champagne toast from your fancy restaurant, go watch the fireworks down by the Mississippi River, celebrating what has likely been the toughest year of your life, but the loveliest New Year's Eve. 
and that in many ways this life is just about to begin. And that is what I did. And if I stopped there, I would be telling the story at a queer moth radio hour about finding light in the darkness. But I'm not. I'm doing this show. So there's a second option. To take the same scavenging skills that got you food into the alcohol-filled frenzy that is Bourbon Street. In other words, drink all the leftover, discarded, second-hand shit you can get your grubby little hands on. And that turns out to be a lot. <laughs> People abandoned a drink for a number of reasons. It was so affordable that it's likely filled with rock up. There's a cigarette butt in it. Or it's just plain gross. Or D, all of the above. And that was the option I chose again and again. Hurricanes out of plastic alligator cups, the last gasp of a frozen daft, the dregs at the bottom of the beer bottle, all of it. Beads. Anybody who's been to New Orleans knows that you're inundated with bees when you're down there, and most of the time it's just like, gross, kitschy, no thank you. But when you're drunk, <laughs> they're everything. And they're being lorded over you from balconies above. Bees are like an emotionally manipulative boyfriend. <laughs> Strategically unavailable. And the craft menagerie of booze that I've been buying for the last hour is getting to me. And for the first time since I've come to New Orleans, Maybe the first time in my life, I want some goddamn bees. <laughs> and everyone knows from the movies that bee throwers are really into these. Uh, but these bourbon bastards were really up in their game and they wanted to see it all. And one of the last things I remember is some guy yelling from a balcony to see my swamp bog bayou. <laughs> and I told him no. Oh my God. And I turned away. And then that's all I remember. I blacked out. And when I came to, I had so many bees. <laughs> I'm not a hero. When I came to, I was sitting down. On my right, there were two strangers. And on my left was my boss. And in my lap, a waste basket full of exactly what you'd expect to happen after mixing tequila and rum and bourbon and beer and wine and spit and ash and rice and beans, a full rainbow baby's first pride flag. <laughs> and the first thing I hear is, we just found her. <laughs> nothing good ever contains the phrase, we just found her. <laughs> Usually somebody is dead, or in my case, wishes they were. I get sent to my room, and the next day I wake up to a bed full of leaves. Because apparently drunk sage was not done. Like Jesus himself, she rose in the night and rallied again. He walked on water, I slept in somebody's yard. <laughs> and that's when you know you've upset your brain when like the only single muscle that's tasked with self-preservation is like, just get in the ground. <laughs> I was more hungover than I've ever been. So, so hungover that I couldn't even take my kids to Cedar Point. I'm sorry, that was my dad. <laughs> uh, I left New Orleans soon after that, and I started the journey of becoming the spunky, complicated, fragile lesbian you see today, who still drinks, just a lot more selectively. And I'm going to leave you with the most surprising element of the story to me, that despite breaking this guy's hot tub, stealing his food, and doing a full-body graphic bark on a hot tin roof, end-of-days beignet, two-lane sorority sister, Louisiana hot cleanse in the lobby of a struggling business, <laughs> To this day, I still get the occasional email from the owner of that hostel begging me to come back. <laughs>
made the deal sweet enough yet? But I think I know how he could. You've been listening to the Ladylike Podcast. I've been here with Annie Russell. Oh, yeah. People can follow me um, on everything, the same handle, at Annie M. Russell on Twitter and Instagram. And I um, refuse to post photos of myself on Instagram, so that's kind of a fun thing about me. I hate it. But, um, you know, I will post, like, different uh, walls of text that um, everyone mostly um, tolerates. So you can... (laughs) I can view that. <laughs> I'm Jenna Gephardt, and this podcast was produced by me. Our theme song is Type of Wound by Natalie Grace Alford. New episodes come out every Monday, and our live show happens every third Tuesday of the month at the Lincoln Lodge Theater. If you like what you hear, please rate and subscribe to this podcast, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>